grave danger. Is there another kind? You see, the useful idiots that the Soviet Union, that Lenin put into America, are now the useful idiots from the Chinese. U.S. President Joe Biden, who has had another week of gaffes, confused moments. Uh, uh, They're coming down on America like Pac-Man, eating us up alive. Uh, uh, They're acting more as propagandists. Also, the science has changed. You know the Pac-Man game? Think of a Pac-Man game out of control. Sucking away at the foundation of America. If Russia pursues its aggression, it will face the massive consequences that... Because if they don't want you to believe something and they can cast doubt... We have no intention of fighting Russia. Sometimes confusion can actually be the goal. The goal. The goal. And as we've said all along... Confusion can actually be the goal. Well, we know that. I mean, confusion is always... You know, the way, the way to beat your opponent. And right now, I think the uh, government of America sees the American people as their opponent. Because if they would tell us the truth, then they would know that we would pose most of their ideas. Uh, and how are you doing today? Thanks for stopping by. This is Speaking Out America. I am your host, JR. I don't norm- normally do this, but today, before the day ends, before we call it a day, uh, I want to look back at this day in history and talk about some key moments. Of course, today, if you haven't heard, I don't know how you wouldn't know, but Normandy invaded, uh, or the Normandy invasion began on this day. 156,000 troops, all led by our future, our then-future president, U.S. General Dwight D. Eisenhower, an allied armada of ships, planes, and landing crafts, and some 156,000 troops began the invasion of northern France from England, on this day in 1994, known as, or 1944, known as D-Day. And it was a turning point in the war. And, uh, you know, thanks to Steven Spielberg for doing such a good job of saving, saving Private Ryan because he actually did a fantastic simulation. I mean, it, you felt like you were there. You felt like, oh, wow, this is what it was like. Very frightening. Uh, also some interesting things that have happened on this day in history. In sports, American Pharaoh back in 2015 won the Belmont Stakes. Uh, the American TV show Sex and City uh, debuted on this day back in 1998, back at the tail end of when television shows were actually good. Uh, see, there's some other things that happened on this day. The YMCA was invented or originated by George Williams in London, 1844. And uh, Pope Gregory XV created the Congregation for the Propagation of the Faith for the Organization and Direction of the Missions of the Roman Catholic Church to the Non-Christian World, 1622. That That could have been a turning point, I think. Uh, perhaps because it was not that long that we began to see the Reformation and the bloody battle that that brought Martin Luther King and then later Calvin, sort of a break-off to Roman rule. Uh, Anyway, so just an interesting collection of things that, um, you know what else happened on this day? The FBI director, uh, Chris Wray, was uh, threatened again with basically contempt. So now we've got a situation going on where the president, the sitting president of the United States is suspected of engaging in, um, well, treason. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, while all of the mainstream media is busy telling you about documents and possible indictment charges against former President Trump, the real criminal might be walking around completely free in the White House. But it's hard to know because the president is being protected by his Justice Department. They're sitting on a, a, a whistleblower complaint form, Form 1023, which is a witness giving testimony to the government saying that he knows that President or former Vice President Biden received large sums of money for peddling influence on policy. He sold out America, allegedly. That's a pretty big deal, don't you think? Don't you think that's a pretty big deal? Apparently the mainstream media doesn't think it's a big deal. They haven't even mentioned it. I watch pretty regularly every night. Same routine. I see them talking about Trump. I don't see them talking about Biden except for when there's something good. I'm going to read an article a little later that breaks down exactly why the mainstream media is doing what it's doing. And having been in this business for almost all of my life, I have to say that I learned a few things. Like, wow, that is true. I didn't realize that the machinations that go into the way the media, if you noticed, I'll give you a good example, and, and we'll get to more detail later. But Mary Bruce, she, about eight years ago, I was doing mornings in Tampa. And uh, Mary and Aaron Kutursky were both on the, uh, they were the field radio reporters. And as part of ABC, they would allow radio stations who affiliate their news to have access to their reporters almost on a daily basis. And so during the Trump and Hillary contest, I was doing mornings and I would occasionally interview Mary Bruce or Aaron Kutursky or others. There were about six of them in this pool. And every morning when I would uh, interview Mary, she would give me the rundown on what's happening in politics. And it always seemed to favor uh, Hillary Clinton, and it was always against Trump. And I asked her on the air, I said, why, why is it that you always favor Hillary, but you always have negative news on Trump? And she was never on again after that. I, I guess she probably got, maybe she complained. They pulled her from my station. I, I'm not sure why. There was never a discussion about it. But I thought it was an interesting question. I thought it was a good question. Because, you know, they're supposed to be unbiased. And they're not unbiased. And now look at now look at Mary Bruce. She is the chief White House correspondent. She travels everywhere that that Biden goes. And I was always miffed. It's like, and, and it's not that she is not a good reporter. She certainly looks good for the camera. But I do want to read this article, and it explains why that is. It explains why the media is so in bed with our current government. It explains why there is so much propaganda. Uh, in our news every single day. Why the cover-ups? Why the obfuscations? Why are they all seemingly in lockstep at presenting the right and the correct narrative? And this guy, uh, Caitlin Johnstone, via Medium.com, nails it with 15 reasons why mass media employees act like propagandists. And we'll go through a few key, a key of them. I'm going to educate you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to show you how you can know when you're being lied to. I think it's important. And it's a really good article. We'll get to that. Also, Michael Letts will be joining us 
Uh, he's got some ideas on how we can fix the border and some other things. Michael Letts is a 30-year law enforcement professional and also the CEO of InvestUSA.org, which provides bulletproof vests to our nation's law enforcement officers. So, of course, the, the big cover-up going on right now is the fact that we have, uh, you know, the same where we left off yesterday. Chris Ray doesn't want to give this form over to Comey and Grassley, Comer and Grassley, who are investigating whether our president was involved in malfeasance in the prior administration. They just want to know, why, why was China giving you money? What did you do for them? Why Romania? And, and why Ukraine? Why were they giving you money? Why did you get $10 million over the course of, of four or five years? For what? What did you do? Just to show up and give a speech? Well, just tell us that. Already we've heard from the White House as of today, they're insinuating that, yes, Biden does have a business, but no, it had nothing to do with uh, selling secrets or anything like that. So they're already admitting that they did make the money. But, of course, our media doesn't ask the questions. So here's Newt Gingrich. Now, when Newt says something, I usually pay a little bit more attention because I, I actually have a lot of respect for him, and I think he's a very smart man. And he's been on the inside, and he's taken a look at the inside. And he knows all about the deep state from up close. So here's what he had to say on Maria Bartiromo's show earlier today about the, the Biden crime family and the cover-up. These charges being leveled at this president, this influence peddling that we understand uh, ha ha could be going on for decades. What are your thoughts in terms of the mainstream media? These are the most serious charges ever leveled at a president, and the mainstream media will not report it, Newt. Of course not. Look, you have to understand, the, the national establishment, the people who went to Harvard and Yale and Princeton, uh, the folks who belong to Skull and Bones, all of those people are united in a determination to, to retain power over the American people. And they're watching a steady upsurge of Americans who are sick and tired of a corrupt uh, elite that's trying to do things. You're seeing this, uh, frankly, with Target. Uh, you saw it with Bud Light. Uh, I think the Dodgers are going to face tremendous penalties for having brought in a, an anti-Catholic, anti-nun, vicious group of people. Uh, and I think that uh, you look at what's happening here. We know now from, from the Durham report that virtually everything said about Donald Trump was a lie. And sadly, almost everything being said about Joe Biden is the truth. Uh, and yet, the FBI is trying to protect him. The Justice Department is trying to protect him. The intelligence community is trying to protect him. And it's because you have a left-wing establishment that is under siege, that is losing power, and they are desperate to stay in charge. And the only way they can stay in charge is this kind of constant assault. Uh, and that's why I think the Republicans in the House in particular, who are the most conservative group in Washington, have to stand firm and have to stand united. And they're going to win because they have the power of the purse. And here is Claire de Villar of the Freedom Works organization. The frustration of the time that it's taken, mm -hmm. as you mentioned, the continuing saga of this story, it's a drip, drip, drip of endless corruption and disappointment. Will anyone ever trust the FBI again, I wonder, let alone the Department of Justice? My suspicion is that Biden is running again so that he can keep this scam going. And I uh, think that that's exactly right. We'll continue, and we will continue to follow this story as it evolves. Michael Letts joining me in just a moment. Love, Michael. Hang in. Hang in. Stay there. Speaking out, America.
One of my favorite guests on the program speaking out is a man who's been in law enforcement for 30 years. And anybody who dedicates his time to get bulletproof vests for our law enforcement uh, agents across the country is, is good by me. Happy to see you again, Michael. Let's investusa.org. And it's appropriate that we use this song because it's called Crime in the City. And it's by Neil Young. But uh, because there's crime everywhere and nobody is more educated about it. I mean, crime has reached all the way to the halls of American justice. And there's no better person to talk to than Michael Letts about all of it. Hi, Michael. And thanks again for joining me on Speaking Out America. What do you make of the Department of Justice and the FBI director now facing contempt charges? What does that mean? Well, it's a very serious issue, uh, Jim. In fact, quite frankly, it's a, a little late in coming. We have had, um, it's one thing, never, it's never right, but it's one thing to have agencies, what we call politicized or weaponized by the administration. The reason why it's not right is because justice is supposed to be blind. Justice is supposed to be equally applied, not used as a tool to go after somebody because of political dissent or they don't agree with you. But that's been going on for some time. But the thing that makes this over the top is when you begin to break laws, and I'm not talking about misdemeanors, I'm talking about felonies. And the Bureau has created numerous felonious acts, as has the Department of Justice. When your top law enforcement agencies are doing that, uh, somebody has to hold them accountable. Now, right now, Congress is attempting to do that. I'm not so sure Congress will be successful. But I applaud their efforts by holding them in contempt of court here so that your listeners understand what's going on. Congress, under our Constitution, has a mandate to provide oversight to agencies that it funds. And, of course, the Department of Justice, Federal Bureau, and all those federal agencies all fall under that umbrella. And so they're saying, look, we're giving you these billions of dollars a year. We want you to come in and tell us how it's being spent, specifically Congress, because remember, Congress is supposed to be the ear of the people. It's supposed to listen to what the people, the representatives, the uh, constituencies are saying. And a lot of what the constituents are saying is that, look, it looks like it's a two-tiered justice system that is not correct and not appropriate, some of the things that they were doing. And they give them illustrations. One of them was the fact that, look, you have a form uh, 1023 which lists by credible sources that the vice president at the time, Joe Biden, was involved in a scheme to sell influence and policymaking for contributions directly to him instead. And we want to see what have you done with it? I mean, did you follow up? Because anytime there's an allegation, you know, if they allege something against you, against me, the first basis is they do what we call cursory overview. First of all, is the allegation something that violates the law? Well, obviously, me selling my position as vice president for cash in return is a just treason. It is a great violation. It's a felony. So once you establish that the allegation has, has legal consequences, then your next thing to do is do a cursory overview of the person who's making the allegation, and is there any substantiation to whether there's any evidence that that is the case. And then, of course, if there is, then you go from a cursory overview to you open up an investigation, a full-scale investigation, and you go where the facts lead. And if there is a violation of the law, you indict. So 
That's the, that is what we're paying them to do. You and I as taxpayers, that's one of the roles and jobs of the FBI. So Congress is saying, okay, you had a Form 1023 that made the allegations. Uh, what'd you do with it? Did you do the cursory overview? Were the witnesses credible? Did they have any evidence? If they did, did you pursue an investigation or not? And the department or the FBI is now taking the position, uh, we're not going to comment. We're not going to tell you that. And they're trying to hide under one thing that they've been using for years, which is just ludicrous. And I'll tell you why it's ludicrous in a second, Jim. Is oh, we looked at that form uh, 1023, and it's under investigation now. So because it's under investigation, we cannot comment. And we'll not give you the, the form. We're not releasing the information. Now, what did they did to try to pacify Congress? They brought the form over, but it was redacted. There wasn't anything on it that was useful. They had redacted everything. So Congress said, no. First of all, it's not a classified document. It should be available to the public in general, anybody that wants it, since it's not classified. Second of all, we specifically asked for the full file. What exactly was the entire report, the, the entire form? And they told them, by the way, we've already seen it. We've already read it. We know what it says. So don't try to send us something that you doctored. You better be telling us the truth. So send us the whole form and then tell us what you've done. And now Christopher Ray has dug in. Nope, not going to do it because I think it's an investigation. So what recourse does Congress have? Well, we're going to hold you in contempt. That's a felony. If you are found to be in contempt of Congress, uh, that is considered uh, that you committed a felony. And of course, there are very grave penalties that go along with that. And to have the director of the FBI being convicted of a felony probably not something he's looking forward to. Well, he's doing it because somebody probably is telling him, Hey, look, you got to protect the president or is this, I mean, would he be, would he be more forthcoming if there was no there, there, do you think? I mean, you're, you've been in this, you're immersed in this. You think the way they think, you know what they think. If, if Biden was innocent and this isn't one of these, well, you, this is America. You shouldn't have to prove uh, that you're not guilty. But if Biden was innocent, don't you think that Ray would more easily be handing over this form to make it all go away? Well, there's no question. Let me tell you, if it had been done correctly, here's what should be happening. Is yes, we got the form 23, I mean 1023. We looked at the witnesses. They were credible. But we went to the next stage, a cursory overview for an investigation, found there was no corroboration of any evidence that we could substantiate to move forward in an investigation. So that's why we closed the books. And here's the entire file. You're welcome to it. If, you, if we miss something, tell me what I missed. But we're pretty confident that we've gotten everything, and our decision is a correct and a firm decision. That would shut up the whole the whole issue. That would take it off the screen. But instead, by saying nope, we're not going to do this, tells me exactly what you said. There are issues, and there are things that they don't want to come out. Now they're going to try to downplay. It. Oh, we don't want the witness, his name, to come out. Who who the witnesses are? Congress has already said that's fine. You can redact those. We can know about them privately, but publicly we'll redact that so that their names are not made public. Uh, well, we still want to know what your outcome of the case is. And they're refusing, which tells me that there's a lot more there, Jim, than we ever imagined. Well, who do they think is going to harm the witness? <laughs> well, they, they would argue that uh, somebody, whether it be some conservative would be so upset about what's being done that would come after the witness, which doesn't make any uh, sense. It would make no sense. The witness is the one the helping. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You want to help the witness not come after him, but they're looking for anything they can to justify what they're doing, which they know is wrong and to try to confuse the public. But this time, uh, Jim, I think the public is more 
attuned to what's going on in the country, and they're not willing to just take some answer at face value because these are valid questions that you're raising. Yeah. I mean, if you're yeah. uh, if there's nothing there, then why don't you turn it over immediately? If you're concerned about the witness, then uh, we have protection uh, witness protection programs. If it really came to that, that is no reason not to turn over the files just to tell us what you've done. Yeah. Did you pursue an investigation or not? And if you didn't, why? Hang on right there, Michael. We're going to take a break, come back, talk some more about this and some other pressing issues. You're listening to Speaking Out America. My guest from investusa.org, Michael Letts. We'll be back. Welcome back. We're talking with Michael Letts, investusa.org CEO. He helps law enforcement stay alive so they can protect and serve. And we're talking about, of course, Christopher Way, Ray, uh, FBI director who is currently facing contempt charges because he refuses to hand over Form 1023, which is a whistleblower document, a whistleblower being somebody within that agency, presumably, who has uh, reason to believe that President Joe Biden was on the take and that he has received money for in exchange for political favors. So again, we were talking about contempt and what that means. We all seem to be smelling a rat here. I would, I would wonder why the IRS, they must be investigating Biden as well. I mean, nobody is above the IRS. What do you think? It's interesting you would say that because uh, let me uh, make sure your listeners understand something else as well. When you talk about the IRS, a different agency. The IRS has been investigating uh, Hunter Biden, and yes, they have looked at Joe Biden as well for a number of years. They were getting to the point to where it was so obvious the violations, the felonious, and we're not talking about misdemeanor, we're talking about felonies, violations of Hunter Biden. And it directly ties in with the family, ties in with Joe but they were ready to proceed to hand it over to the U.S. attorney for indictments. And uh, they got a directive. Who did they get the directive from? None other than the attorney general himself, the U.S. attorney general, Merrick Garland, to disband the IRS team that was working on that and to cease and desist. Now, what does that do? You remember, this is the same attorney general who, on multiple occasions, under oath before Congress, I will not in any way participate sway or be involved with the investigation of the president, Hunter Biden, or anything that that deals with that association. So remember, he's under oath. He just lied. He's perjured himself and has structural justice. So that your um, Hmm. listeners understand what does that mean? That's not a traffic ticket. That's not a misdemeanor. That's a felony. So the top law enforcement officer in the country has just demonstrated that he has committed felonies as well by purging himself with obstruction of justice over the Hunter Biden thing. He directed the IRS to cease and desist and to disband their investigative team. Um, boy, you can't get any more felonious than that. No, you can't. And uh, it, it's, it's amazing to me. It doesn't seem like Joe Biden has that much love and sympathy and people supporting him. It seems even worse than that. It's almost as if they have to keep him in power because if they don't, and I think somebody made this point that if Trump were to get into office, all of these people 
are probably nervous that they would face jail time. Well, I think that is 100% accurate. When you take a look at Comey, all right, uh, you, we've talked about how the Bureau has committed felonies. What kind of felonies has the Bureau committed? Well, let me very quickly let you know just one. There are many, many, many. We could be on your program for days straight mm-hmm. through, Jim, and not get through everything. <laughs> but one of the most recent ones is the Russiagate. Here's how it works. The same, same process. An allegation is made. An allegation is made by the DNC and Hillary Clinton. They have to do a cursory overview. Is there any substantiation? Yes. If that were true, that would have been a violation of the law. It would have been uh, treason. So then they go to the next stage, a cursory investigative overview. And here's what happened. With the information that came back, was not only was there no evidence to substantiate, it actually fired back that the evidence they had was false, incorrect, wrong, deliberately placed. But so what would happen in a normal circumstance? Yeah, you wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. You'd put that in the trash and burn it. What did they do? They ignored that and went to a federal judge, FISA court, and said, here's the evidence that we have. We need to move forward with warrants. That's a felony. That's called obstruction of justice. That's a felony. They knowingly take false information and pursue criminal charges. And that's what they did. And they got caught. And now it's in the Durham report for everybody to read. That's but correct. Yeah. And the wrong political party is in office. Otherwise, heads would be spinning. I mean, at this point, uh, it's if Trump were the, the man that all this was happening around, he would have been gone a long time ago. So oh, there's no so question. much hypocrisy. Say, I want to ask your opinion on this, and it's such an important story, and we'll continue, obviously. Right now, we're sort of in a stalemate. We'll see what happens on Thursday. If uh, if the FBI comes back, they, you know, maybe they're just playing a, a good game of poker and see who can, you know, who has the most chips to lose. But uh, what what's your take on this whole thing with Florida possibly sending immigrants to California? Uh, they, they, they're, California now threatening to charge DeSantis with with human trafficking and this silliness. What's your take on all that? I mean, does the governor of this state have a right to send immigrants to another state when the federal government is responsible for getting the immigrants into Florida in the first place? I mean, who's culpable in all this? Every right to do that. And here's how they position themselves. First of all, the feds violated the law by allowing them to come across uh, unchecked. Second of all, once they came across and they were shipped, they didn't they didn't come into Florida. They were shipped to Florida. So when they came to Florida, the governor has every right to say, okay, um, we're going to give them the opportunity. We're going to give you the opportunity. We'll pay to move you to one of the sanctuary states, which California is one, that has much greater programs than we do. Well, they all jumped on it. So there's absolutely nothing to it other than it's political uh, posturing and headline for Gavin Newsom yeah. to make such a threat that has no basis and no merit. Well, I noticed that the mainstream media was already pushing this narrative on Monday to sort of prep the soil so that the rest, you know, as the story continued, we would all assume that the media was telling the truth on this, which we know is now not possible under the current political environment. Uh, your thoughts on what we're doing now with, I mean, now uh, Eric Adams today saying there's so many migrants now in New York that people should be opening up their homes. Do you advise people uh, in New York to open up their homes to migrants coming from Mexico or God nowhere else? Absolutely. Absolutely not. Let me tell you why, Jim, very, very pointedly. We know that out of the ones that we have flagged, now you remember there are thousands we have not processed, hundreds of thousands, actually. The ones we've processed, over 10,000 on the terrorist watch list, and they're here. 
and they came in as same as any other illegal immigrant. So you could be saying, I'll open up my home, when you could be opening up in your home to a member that's on the terrorist watch list. How, why would you want to subject your family and your community to that? Absolutely not. It's the worst thing in the world you could do. Well, I'm just thinking, you know, what if you brought some family or some uh, uh, son and daughter or something, and the next thing you know, your silver's missing or, uh, you know, or w- one of your kids or God God knows gets molested. Who are you going to run to? The government? Are you going to go to the local police? What are they going to do? I mean, this can get messy really fast, and I don't think these politicians are quite aware of what they're asking people to do. And it's also no, they're, strange. they're desperate, Jim. They're desperate. They, let me tell you why I say they're desperate. They supported a narrative. Where did this narrative originate? Let's briefly talk about that. The Democratic Party wanted to bring over as many illegals for two reasons. Because of the fact that they're helping those who they receive contributions from. We know this for a fact. The drug cartels that are involved with drug distribution and the human trafficking, sex trafficking cartels that are involved with just that as well are one of the biggest industries in the world. All that money coming through, they're smart. They're business. They know how to play the game. How they play the game is they make contributions to people that they think are supportive of the policies that benefit their company. And obviously it benefits them to have open borders so that they can move their product, for lack of a better word, easily across. And how does it benefit the Democrats? Well, they get contributions, A, but B, they also, hey, put in a plug. We're the ones that brought you here, so you have to make sure you vote Democratic. But not only do you have to make sure you vote Democratic, they get a name. And then they do the abs- they do the mail-in ballots. You don't even know you voted. They just put your name on the ballot, sign it, and send it in. That's how they won elections. That's how they maintain power. That's why this is so important for them to do that. The flip side of it, though, Jim, is just what you're referring to. When you bring all these people in, not knowing what you're going to do with them, they overwhelm the system. They overwhelm the assistance that is available, public assistance, which shouldn't be. You and I are paying for public assistance for people that live in this country, not people that invade this country. But then they don't know what to do. They don't know how to fix it. So now they're going to the American people asking them to have the generosity of their heart to take these people in, which is, as you just pointed out and I pointed out, that is the most unsafe thing you could ever imagine trying to do. We're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time, but I've enjoyed having you on for two segments, and I'd like to keep that going. So we'll talk again. Michael Letts, you can find about him and his organization, investusa.org. Michael Letts, thanks so much for joining me again. And, and explaining to us what we're, what we're dealing with here. We'll see you again soon. Thank you, Jim. God bless you, and God bless you. So we are back on Speaking Out America. Don't forget our comment line is area code 941-800-2937. That's 941-800-2937. Two nine three seven every day Monday through Friday heard on crntalk.com and that of course Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific and it's always good to have you here in our podcast of course which is everywhere you can find a podcast just uh, do podcast speaking out America and you'll find it anywhere and you're listening so you must have found it already so uh, I, I came across a wonderful article that talks about why the mainstream media is in such uh, lockstep. Uh, if you turn on any media, you'll notice that they all sort of follow a pattern. And I guess the same can be true for conservative media, but conservative media 
is much less than there is mainstream, basically progressive media. So there's certain narratives, like right now, there are certain narratives that all the major media produces. So for example, all the major media promotes climate change crisis. They've all opted in to believe that man is causing the earth to get warm based on a hypothesis and that carbon is the problem and that we all have to eliminate or reduce our carbon in order to correct the problem of the environment. That is something that every major uh, news organization follows. And if you are a reporter or if you are a meteorologist or if you are a, a climate advocate or if you're a climate reporter, then you can't go contrary to that message. And I'll explain why in a minute. It's the same for when COVID was around and everybody was getting pressured into taking the vaccine. And all the media would call deniers, people who didn't want to go with it. Now, another narrative that is currently in play is about transgenderism. And this idea that there are more than two biological sexes. And a, a decade ago, or you know, twenty years ago, we all believed that it was Iraq who invaded us and was behind nine eleven. Seventy percent of Americans still believe that Saddam Hussein was involved in nine eleven, even though there's no proof of it. Why? Because all the media was in lockstep, just like they were in lockstep with Obama being a great president and and believing that he did everything right and there was no scandal. If you ask most people today, you you would say that Obama had a perfect unblemished record, which was far from true. It's just that the media liked him just like today. You know, we're having the same situation where the media is completely ignoring the possibility that, that Joe Biden took money in return for political favors while he was president. And we've talked about that. So you can see that the media has a narrative, the narrative on the Ukraine war. And I'm reading this article from Caitlin Johnstone from medium.com and he says if you if you watch western news media with a critical eye eventually you'll notice how their reporting consistently aligns with the interests of the US centralized empire in almost the same way that you would expect them to behave if they were a government run propaganda outlet the new york times has reliably supported every war the us has waged western media focus overwhelmingly on foreign protests against governments the United States dislikes while paying far less attention to widespread protests against U.S. aligned governments. And, and also you'll notice that the ma mainstream media never reports the massive death and murder of, and slaughter of Christians around the world. You never see it on the nightly news, even though it is very prominent. For example, the only time Trump was universally showered with, with praise by the mass media is when he bombed Syria. And con conversely, Biden uh, was universally slammed by the mass media when, the, when he withdrew from Afghanistan. So the question becomes why? The uniformity is so complete and con uh, so consistent that when people first began noticing these patterns, common thing for them to assume was the media must be controlled by a small centralized authority, much like that of a state media or mo more openly author authoritarian government. But if you actually dig, it's a little more, more than that. For example, one of the 15 factors that this author cites is media ownership. It's a very small group of people who, in the point of the article, it says the most obvious point of influence 
is the mass media is the fact that such outlets tend to be owned and controlled by plutocrats whose wealth and power are built upon the status quo they benefit from. Does this mean that wealthy media owners are standing over their employees and telling them what to report from day to day? No. But it does mean they control who will run their outlet, which means they will control who will be doing the hiring of ex- executives and editors, and who, and who will also control the hiring of everyone else at the outlet. It's a point well taken. Moving forward, it says, it's not necessarily that somebody tells you how to do your coverage. It's that if you were to do your coverage that way or a different way, you would not be hired or you would not have a, a job for very long. So you're more or less cold into this group think. Otherwise, you risk your career. It's a system of reinforcement, which makes it so you wouldn't want to go down that path of questioning the narrative in the first place. For example, let's say a reporter stumbled on the fact that maybe carbon doesn't have that much to do with the environment. Well, that person would maybe report that once, but then he would he or she would be shut down for questioning the narrative. It happens because of groupthink, according to the article. It happens because top editors and producers know, without being told, which issues and sources are off-limits. No orders need to be given. Uh, Matt Taib, uh, Taibbi recently ran into the situation. He, he writes, Reporters watch as good investigative journalism about serious structural problem dies on the vine, while mountains of column space are devoted to trivialities like Trump's tweets and or simplistic, partis, uh, simplistic partisan storylines. Nobody needs to pressure anyone. We all know what takes and what will not earn attaboys in the newsroom. There's more to this article. For example, article writes, if someone in power decides they don't like a given reporter, they can simply decide to give their interviews to someone else who's sufficiently syncophatic. I see this a lot on 60 Minutes. You see, you get your softball reporter asking stupid questions to the president because they know they won't be challenged. Or they'll call on someone else at a press conference or have a conversation on and off the record with someone who kisses up to them, i.e. Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi. Article goes on to say, the more a mass media employee goes along with the imperial groupthink, follows the unwritten rules, and remains unthreatening to the powerful, the higher up the media career ladder they will climb. The higher up the ladder they climb, the more money they will often find themselves making. Once they find themselves in a position to influence a very large number of people, They are part of a wealthy class which has vested interest in maintaining the political status quo, which lets them uh, keep their fortune. I will remind you that Mary Bruce started her career by following the Hillary Clinton campaign, and she served that campaign very well. In fact, it served so well that after Hillary was defeated, she went on to become a White House correspondent for ABC News because she proved, and these are my words, that she was willing to follow the rules. And that's how we, we get this group think. That's how we get this simultaneity of different people uh, who are all reporting seemingly the same storyline. is because they watch each other. They look at each other. Now, I'll play for you something else that, uh, that came up during COVID, which is why were they pushing the vaccines? Well, the simple answer was is because the pharmaceutical companies were paying huge advertising budgets to these same networks pushing their vaccines. 
And Cheryl Atkinson, former CBS reporter, said, and also I think former uh, uh, host of or reporter for the 60 Minutes program on CBS, says they were actually allowing people from the board of directors of these pharmaceuticals to edit news copy. And that's when everything went down. That's when we knew that our media was no longer fair and truly reporting the news and how they were influenced by the corporate dictates and the narratives being pushed from upstairs. Here's what she said. And it's the biggest turnaround to me to see the media willingly take an official position from people who have all kinds of conflicts of interest. It doesn't mean what they're saying isn't true, but there's certainly a lot of things to consider. But then uncritically try to convince the public to believe that viewpoint and not listen to anything else and censor other information. But in this way, it's made it very hard in a confused, chaotic environment like with coronavirus to get at the truth. Well, maybe we've made mistakes because we didn't know better because this thing is happening and developing and emerging. But then to get at the truth when information is closed off and we're only hearing one side and we're told that we can't listen to other things or other studies or other scientists, I think it's been a very harmful thing. Cheryl Atkinson, once again, former CBS News reporter, she's telling it like it is. And she's been talking about this for a long, long time. But, you know, in the same way that Laura Logan was excommunicated as well. And there's a woman who put her life on the line and was playing by all the rules to the point where she even got sexually assaulted while covering things in the Middle East. So both of these women are living testaments to the fact that the media that you watch every night on television, you think that they're telling you the truth. You think that those reporters with a gleam in their eye are telling you what you think is true and factual. But they're all following a narrative because they're all guilty of being human beings. And this, by the way, goes for climatologists, uh, people who are teaching in our schools who've been infected with woke ideology and ideas about gender affirmation and trans it doesn't matter it's all they're all following a narrative they think is going to further their uh, political careers or their uh, journalistic careers or their scientific careers it's all the same and the point is that things are not as they appear until next time thanks for stopping by speaking out america I think it really took off in a big way instead of a more subtle way in the 2015-2016 time period with Donald Trump proving to be a unique danger perceived by the interests that support and pay for them to be in office and make certain decisions. They're acting more as propagandists than journalists and reporters.